<laughs> I almost forgot it. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask the impossible, but if you had to pick one sentence or if it has to be, if you have to pick a paragraph, what's one that just really stood out to you, your favorite one of chapter three, because this one is packed. I love oh, it so much. But yeah, just kind of look through, see if you could find one that, that just really stood out to you. One sentence. Yeah, one sentence, one paragraph. Mine. Um, mine is on. Wow, now I can't even find it. <laughs> Did I read? I read with colored pens. <laughs> oh, I tried there. Yeah, so on mine is page 37, and toward the top, John Taylor's quote there. It's very interesting because this one kind of puts in a timeline that prior to, like, I've listened to this book many, many times, but um, until I was like really trying to study this out, and anyway, th this timeline kind of stood out to me. It says, We will build up our Zion after the pattern that God will show us, and we will be governed by his law and submit to his authority and be governed by the holy priesthood and by the word and will of God. And then... Wait, that's two sentences. I know. <laughs> I, I picked a paragraph, sorry. <laughs> and then when the time comes that these calamities we read of shall overtake the earth, those that are prepared will have the power of translation as they had in former times. The city will be translated and Zion that is on earth will rise and Zion above descend. So this, this timeline that, um, I don't know, because everything's created spiritually before it's created physically, etc. you know, I, but for some reason I hadn't clicked on, on this principle yet that we're going to be building the actual physical city of Zion after we are, um, prepared as a people individually right but then the city becomes translated like for some reason in my head I had erroneously put together that we are just going to be building the city in a translated state already but it it itself needs to to go through that process kind of thing um, anyway that, that was just an interesting little tidbit that uh, really stood out to me this time as I was reading anyway over to you guys what 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 you got yeah Tracy Okay, mine's on page 41. Um, translated people belong to the church of the firstborn in the church of Enoch. They are among many other things ministering angels unto many planets. They become the ministers and messengers of God, the angels of his sending to do the work of the covenants of the Father. Yes. I love that. And it's amazing going into like those pioneer patriarchal blessings or whatever, talking about ministering angels and the to planets, right? Like that's such a strange concept to me, but like it, it's multiple times and, and the spirit, you know, kind of witnesses that, that truth there. So uh, it'll be interesting. Why don't we talk about that anymore? <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, right. I mean, we barely talk about translation every once in a while, but like, yeah. It, the fact that we're going to the moon and to other planets and, and things like that it's like whoa yep you talk about that you're you're, <laughs> you're in the fringe i think it's because we as a society have become so enamored of our own scientific knowledge that 
this seems to be quaint and superstitious and not grounded in reality, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we discount it. And I think as a culture in the church, we have to follow right along with that and um, just embrace the, that part of Babylon, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I, yeah. I think we really need to leave that behind and realize that these things are true. These things are accurate. These things are possible. Mm-hmm. Like when I talk to define what my... reality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go, Tracy. <laughs> like when I talk with some of my friends and my family about this, uh, like my sister, she's like, you can't talk about that. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> what can I talk about? Like, it's like, no, that's something that's just not for us. We're just the the peasants. And, and even in... Uh, gospel doctrine classes um when we'll read something that talks about you know the second comforter or something like that they just i remember once a gospel doctrine teacher was like oh yeah but we'll never see that you know <laughs> kind of like okay <laughs> yeah not with that right. you know? <laughs> yeah they won't. they won't you know but yeah all right. What were some other favorite uh, sentences or, or paragraphs that, that people have? Um, I liked on page 45 because I love learning about things, but I always want to know what do I have to do to get there? Like, yeah, I know yeah. we don't, I know we are focused on becoming, but I still love the checklist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, it's that bottom paragraph that says, and this is Joseph F. Smith saying this, but but when shall I be prepared to go to Zion? Not while I have in my heart the love of this world more than the love of God. Not while I am possessed of that selfishness and greed that would induce me to cling to the world or my possessions in it at the sacrifice of principle or truth. But when I'm ready to say, Father, all that I have, myself included, is thine. My time, my substance, everything that I possess is on the altar to be used freely, agreeable to thy holy will, and not my will, but thine be done, then perhaps I will be prepared to go and help to redeem Zion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that little perhaps there at the end too. It's like, yeah, if you can do all that, perhaps I might be able to. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's interesting too, because I don't know if I saw it on the Facebook page or where I saw it, but somebody had posted a conference talk from Neil A. Maxwell. Um, that he gave, I think it was in 1985 in April, and it talks about turning our will over, and it's really powerful. So if anybody's interested, it's, um, yeah, it is Maxwell, April 1995, 1985, called Willing to Submit. So I listened to that today, and it was really good, and it was helpful, kind of gave me a little bit more hope, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you. All right. Anyone else willing to to share what uh, stood out to them in this chapter? So on on page thirty five, in the John Taylor quote, and then when the time comes that these calamities we read of shall overtake the earth, those that are prepared 
will have the power of translation. You know, we're getting real close to that. Yeah. We're getting real close to that. And, um, you know, on, and on the previous page, I'm going to, you did a whole paragraph. I'm just giving you a couple sentences. So on the previous <laughs> page, so to be worthy of translation is to be a Zion worthy individual. No matter if the command to actually build Zion has been issued in your lifetime. So, it, you know, it's like a math equation. This A equals B. Mm -hmm. That means that B also equals A, right? If to be worthy of translation also means you're Zion worthy. If you are Zion worthy, then you're worthy of translation. And so we have a lot of guidance on what it takes to become a Zion person, right? And so if we focus on that, on being worthy of Zion, then translation will come. And for those people who need a checklist, it's in 121, D&C 121. Oh, I was like, page 121? Whoa, Scott's <laughs> reading ahead. <laughs> Doctrine and Covenants 121. But yeah, yeah, D&C 121, perfect checklist yeah. for them. And that uh, if you can do that, then you can officiate in the powers of heaven. Now, whether that be uh, uh, male or female, some people, uh, male would be called the priesthood power. Uh, if female, you would be acting under the powers of heaven. If you can qualify for those, then you would have the same power uh, of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And like, I think what really opened it up for me, it was when I realized, hey, maybe President Nelson's actually saying this stuff just in the best general way that he can. Now it's like, when I listen, he's clearly talking about it all the time. You know, like there's these things that are available to us. We just need to, to get there, you know? And uh, when he's pleading with us, like, please understand me. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how clearer he can be, but you still have to have kind of the, the training wheels or the, the paradigm flip already a part of you in order to go, oh, there's more here kind of a thing. Because I mean, it, if I was just lackadaisical, like I, you know, been my whole life up until now, it's like, I, please hear me. Okay, yeah, that that's great. You know, like the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Tracy, just kind of just safe, like, all right. But once you know that there's more to stuff, then you can get more. And uh, I, We've I love- We've got the training wheels to come off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got there are a lot of us who are, who are very comfortable with those training wheels and knowing that we won't fall over. Mm -hmm. But in order to be able to have that freedom of life without training wheels, you've got to be willing to take a fall or two. Mm -hmm. And that what opens up uh, such freedoms that there's no way you can know that. And that's what he's doing. He's asking you, he's telling the people, you have to go to the Lord and tell them that you want to take the training wheels off. Yeah. And isn't it amazing that we have a loving Heavenly Father that provides a plan, gives us training wheels, a, gives us a, a method of communication so that we can ask to have them removed, provides the whole ministering ladder up and down so that we can have help all along the way, that we can scrape our knees and, and fall off our bikes in order to ascend. Like this whole thing is just so 
magical so so powerful when we fully realize the the scope of it um you know like i i'm here on on this kind of level of, of learning on it but like man there the more i know or the more i learn the more i know that i need to learn but it's just so powerful it's so awesome the the whole journey yep now ultimately if we get to the point where we have such faith in the Lord and all of his promises, then we will fear absolutely nothing, no matter what kind of pain, hardship, aches, problems, triumphs, or, or trials. We will fear absolutely nothing because we realize that whatever it is we're experiencing will be for our good and that he will give us recompense for our sufferings and he always does things in multiplicity just like he did with the loaves and the fishes yeah that always had leftover so and that's the hard part to be able to give up everything like like that one uh quote that was just read on page 45 i think it was mm -hmm. where we had the uh, we need <clears throat> perhaps we will be ready for zion but that's the key we have to have that faith so strong that it doesn't matter what's going on in life. We believe that it is something good that the Lord is or something that the Lord can create good out of and that we will be blessed to experience it and to see how the Lord turns it around. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, and that is the key to becoming Zionist. And, and we use our power. Our our ability to channel the powers of heaven to bless the lives of us but we can't bless ourselves mm -hmm. and we trust and rely on somebody else to be blessed with the same power and abilities and they will bless our lives while we're blessing somebody else's life and i think that is the most important part of the zion itself is yeah. because each one of those individuals has no care for themselves, but they have no fear because they know that somebody else has care for them. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is the savior. The Lord is the king. He is the, the prime example. And he showed us all the way. And that is why there are no poor among them is because everybody is taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And we have no, re no restrictions to freedom or to personal choice. Our agency is always there because we're always working towards somebody else. And the Lord is always blessing us tenfold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's so amazing how it's all organized. Um, let's see. Where do we go next? Anybody else have anything that uh, they wanted to point out there? Can I do one more? Yeah, for sure. This one was really cool just because of my daughter's patriarchal blessing, but I never, I always was stuck with how could she be a grandma? Because <laughs> I was like, the signs of the times are now. Anyway, so, and this was a few years ago, you know, when I wasn't as smart as I am now. <laughs> but during the millennium, there'll be two kinds of people. There'll be living mortals who are preparing to become changed into the Zion condition, and there will be immortal beings who are either translated or resurrected. 
because I, I remember her blessing was just all happy, talked about joy and happy long life and lots of grandkids. And I was like, wait, how's this going to go? You know, I just didn't understand it like I do now. <laughs> That'd be awesome to have an yeah. unpatriarchal blessing like that. Mine's like gloom and doom all the way. So is mine. <laughs> mine's like, you've had many trials in your life, but guess what? There's a lot more. That's mm-hmm. basically yep. mine. <laughs> Hunker down. You're, yeah. you're Good luck. All right. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah Ren, oh. I have a sentence here. I would like to pose a question to everybody. So yes. I'm on the bottom of page four. Uh, it says, when we as individuals enjoy the full effect of every ordinance and covenant available to us, we will become a Zion individual, not just in the millennium, but now in this life, in this premillennial world. So I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. I mean, we kind of know the Sunday school answers, but I would love to hear your thoughts about what that means, uh, the full effect of every ordinance and covenant available to us. Yeah. So like what ordinances do we have available, right? We, we have the, the ones that we do for the kindred dead, right? We have baptism, confirmation, initiatory, uh, endowment, sealing, right? Those are the, the basic ones. But we do know if we've studied all the, the restoration of the gospel, uh, we have the, the, the second anointing, uh, the second endowment. And uh, I mean, you can kind of tie in the, the comforters with it and stuff. But as far as the actual ordinance, right, kind of a thing, those are available, yet they're not widely available, right? You know, we they're... They're mystery right now uh, to us, but we, we do know we have uh, a few different people that have uh, talked about that uh, somewhat recently and stuff that they've received those. So um, the, the full effect of every ordinance, I, I think is a key phrase that really pops out to me there. Um, is it 121? All of a sudden my brain went blank. But anyway, where... Um, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is made manifest. But without the, the ordinances, it's not made manifest unto men in the flesh. And so I think that that's kind of where that, that kind of pointing us to. And I've wrestled with that, that scripture, not, not in unbelief or anything, but just like, what are the full implications here? Because the power of God is made manifest in the ordinances, but yet half the time we don't even understand the ordinances. Like most of us, when we receive uh, the endowment, when we receive baptism, et cetera, it's like, we're doing it at this way low level. And it's not until years later that we're, we're getting it. Like what we even did, we made covenants, but I don't know. It's an interesting process that, that we have. Um, That's where the refining process personal revelation is so uh, critical mm-hmm. we have to continue to work on that personal revelation to the point where he will begin to expand our minds more than just hearing what he has to say but as we are prepared and we are more in tune with him then he'll begin to expand our mind and fill it with 
understanding on each of the principles, each of the covenants. And then he'll be able to expand thus about just how big that covenant really is. We may only see the tip of the iceberg as far as the blessings of the covenant. But the, the whole idea is it will bless, our obedience will bless generation after generation. I mean, we read where uh, also in 121 where the people who are cut off, they will be uh, woe unto them and their, their posterity because they will not have the powers of the priesthood. Therefore, they will not also have that personal revelation and they will not have the ability to understand all that we will have as we focus our, our spirit on the Savior's resonance. And it takes effort. It takes deliberate uh, work and study and prayer. And as we focus, see, if we just focused all of our learning and all energy just on the communication aspect with the Savior, then once we've uh, expanded that conduit connection between the two of us, then he can give us so much more information all at one time. And he will say, I won't give you more than you can handle. But if we, if we continue to work at it, it may still be drinking from a fire hose, but we will have expanded to the point where we could suck the, high, the hose dry. So mm -hmm. you just have to have that great realization that we are only limited by our ability to receive information from the Savior. And as we work and study and pray, and if you ask him how, he'll tell you exactly how to expand and to stretch. And the more you get, the more he'll give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So thank you I, both. That did hit exactly on what I was meaning. So thank you so much. That was uh, very helpful. Yeah. Um, so when I look at like baptism, for example, and the pattern of baptism, um, we're literally dying as to self, burying ourselves and being resurrected in, in Christ, right? But I think when it finally hit me, the power that can come from that ordinance is the fact that we do that, that we're supposed to do that all the time, that that one right that we performed one time is just a pattern. We acted it out in person with the right language, the right actors, the right script in order to provide a pattern for us to keep doing that. So every week we're supposed to, to take our, our broken heart contracts. We're supposed to break our hearts and die every week to partake of the sacrament, renew that covenant and, and uh, do it effectually, like all the time kind of thing. And then we're supposed to, to look at that and, and have that give us power to, to do it on each level of the ladder. So with Isaiah's ladder, um, we go through trials each time, but on each level, we have to willingly die. We have to give up our life on that level of the law and live a higher law each time, a broken heart, contrite spirit. So the, the pattern was finally able to sink into my dense head and give me actual power to die regularly as to self and assume a new heart and a new purpose and a new character. And so I, I think that 
patterns give us power kind of a thing. And so like initiatory, moving on to the next ordinance, um, that, that cleansing, the blessing of, of our entire bodies preparatory to our, our deaths adds a new dimension that gives us new powers in order to understand things more fully, because I think knowledge is power. I mean, that, that simple phrase that we, you know, say a lot in, in secular ways, but that knowledge actually does give us power. And that's what the ordinances do is they impart knowledge, but until we actually turn that knowledge into wisdom and internalize it, that's what- It teaches what we can expect. Yeah, what we can expect there. And, and if we submerge ourselves in the living water, completely immerse ourselves in living water, as in baptism, and let, let the Savior be the one who immerses us in the living water and then brings us out, then we will be ready to meet with the Father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that cleansing thing, like we have to be clean every whit in order to, to progress and receive other things. And then the endowment, you know, it has all of its powers and, and things, but um, that's what it's kind of come to mean to me that through the ordinances, the, the power of God is manifest unto men in the flesh. But like, sometimes we just go through the rites and think, oh, we'll, we'll finally understand it once we're on the other side of the veil, everything's just gonna open up, we're gonna get a download of information and it's all gonna be explained to us. But no, it. It's when we take that knowledge that we've gained, turn it into wisdom, that it, it generates power so that we can actually knowingly and willingly progress kind of a thing and help other people progress kind of, I don't know. That last part was convoluted. Exactly. <laughs> I have a note, Cameron, that, cause I read a book a long time ago and took lots of notes from it. And it was really interesting cause I had a hard time understanding the covenants and ordinances too yeah. and it said rather that the ordinances and covenants awake us to our own imperfections and thereby humbly invite us to come unto christ and there's lots of scriptures it says we must rely on the inner substance the gifts of the holy ghost and revelation rather than outer forms of rituals and ordinances carnal men are prone to worship the image by placing importance on the outer forms rather on than on the deep and profound meanings behind them, the substance. In reality, no outward ritual in heaven on earth will bind two hearts together. It says the outward ordinances often fail to seal because it is not that which binds souls together. Sealing of one person to another can come from deep within. This sealing cannot be compulsory. It's a C DC and DNC 121, which you guys already talked about, chapter 121. It says, one whose bowels are full of charity, unconditional love for other beings or beings and is willing to sacrifice all, even his own life, in unconditional love, then and only then does a sealing take place that cannot be broken. Charity is the sealing power and authority. Unconditional love, charity is the very priesthood of God. It's the very essence of Christ. When Jesus said he, he that he perfect love would be lifted up and therefore I draw all men unto him, he was speaking of this very thing. I just thought it was really interesting. It says, what do saving ordinances say? They save us from our own carnal nature, selfishness, pride, arrogance, and greed. What book is that from? It's called The Holy Secret by James Farrell. 
I think, I don't know if all of it was from there, but it's some notes that I took from that. And it's kind of in a allegory story form. Mm -hmm. So I'm not positive all of it came from there. Very interesting. Yeah, I love that. But I think that's what it is. We're supposed to have our natures change. So we become full of love, compassion, empathy, and charity. You know, love God with all your heart and mind and love others as, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that's what binds us is we become full of the spirit of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are changed through Christ to be full of God's pure love for others. And I think that's what binds us and makes us as one is that love and charity. I mean, we can go through the ordinances, but they're to, I think they're to awaken us to our own mortal weaknesses and mm -hmm. help to change us. And if we don't see that and we just perform them ritualistic, like you said, the sacrament is we have to die to ourselves or put something on the altar that we should give up, mm -hmm. you know, become more holy. Um, but most people, I don't think, see it. They just say, oh, well, I wasn't this good that, you know, it's kind of like Catholic confession and they go back and do the same thing yeah. every week. It's just um, kind of magical. I, you, you believe in the principle, you know that it's important to yeah. take the sacrament but you don't really understand the full implications of what you're doing right. and, and the preparations needed to, to get you there. Yeah. Kind of and so and there's been lots of talks about how we should prepare on Saturday yeah. to take the sacrament on Sunday. We should do some serious introspection before we take it. And I don't know. It's, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do, to do introspection. And I don't know how many people do. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I can't tell, but it's like, it just seems like some people just, you know, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know what's in other people's minds and hearts, but it, it's a deep thing that we're supposed to do. And it's not easy sometimes to do. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've heard lots of different things about, you know, the sacrament, how it, it, it's a funeral, right? I mean, why some teenagers have asked, I can't remember it's in some talk or something like that, but like, why is why is the music so somber and, and stuff? Well, we're, we're literally enacting a, a funeral here, right? Mm -hmm. But like, <laughs> I can't believe how long it took me to, to get this because I knew that it was Christ's funeral. I mean, we're, we're enacting that's Christ's body there on the altar, etc. But at the same time, we're also enacting our own funeral and, mm -hmm. and, and we're dying together kind of a thing. Like he died for us and we need to die as to self so that we can take him as, as like, exactly. Oh my gosh, it's my own funeral. This is awesome. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that, that knowledge was power. Like I need to willingly be able to break my heart, all of my will, everything that I am and offer it up on the altar kind of thing as he is is lying on the altar like oh my gosh it just yeah that's why it says a broken a heart and contrite spirit but i don't think people understand what a broken heart, heart means. is yeah yeah i just listen to a lot of christian songs and it has a lot of that kind of yeah. stuff into it to I, give I, up I your will that. and and that kind of stuff and i don't know whether our songs on sunday talk well they do the sacrament songs mm -hmm. hymns do but the other ones don't but it's very prevalent in a lot of Christian songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, when I, I listen to a lot of Christian, Christian music stuff. and I'm like, that's how, what awakened me to what it's supposed to be. Cause it's mm -hmm. not open. I don't think it's openly taught at church. I mean, it's in the scriptures it's there, but we don't 
discuss it. Because mm-hmm. I think people are like, oh, I don't want to go there. That's that's morbid. That's, you know, not, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of like in the New Testament when they, uh, when Christ says, this is, eat, this is my body, drink, this is mm-hmm. my blood or whatever. And they're like, what? You, you gross? Like, we're not going to eat you? Like, this is so weird. And they left. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, oh, we don't want to think about funerals and morbid and like, okay. But if you get the the power that's behind this ordinance, you'll you'll fully understand and you'll be able to actually. Right. And what do we do usually when we go to funerals? I mean, there's several things we do when we go to funerals. Mm-hmm. We honor the person that died, but we're also very sad and brokenhearted, yeah. you know, when we go to that, that we've lost somebody. So it's kind of those two things I would think when you take the sacrament that you should be, you know, mm-hmm. thinking of. So, yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, I love all that. So. Um, let's see, what do we got? We got plenty of time. So let's talk about the, the patriarchal blessings since we kind of were, were going there and stuff. Let's uh, talk about those on, on 54 through the end there. What do you think of those patriarchal blessings? Aren't those very interesting? And has anybody requested the, the patriarchal blessings of, of your direct line ancestors and stuff and, and seen any uh, interesting lines and stuff in there? Uh, I, it's, it's very interesting because I'm not trying to ever talk bad about, it, but like our patriarchs just don't talk this same way anymore for the most part. But um there's you assume, you assume, Cameron, that we have direct line ancestors who have gotten patriarchal blessings. Yeah. My my parents were converts. My dad never got one. My mom is still alive. Yeah. So, you know, that's the same thing with Scott. His parents were converts. So we, oh, we, can't, we, we don't have any to request. <laughs> Sorry. So my... Uh, parents were born in the covenant, but and they're in their 80s, but they just barely got their patriarchal blessings in March. My dad's was super generic, I thought, but my mom's was really powerful talking about, you know, how her kids will need to follow her example for understanding powers in the priesthood and the miracles that will be wrought. And ooh, we're like, oh, ooh here we go it was very cool mm-hmm. but yeah. so one thing i wondered on page 54 right before all of those you know snippets of the blessings are um because we know that these people to our knowledge at least are not still living on the earth so if, if we could talk maybe a little bit about that because it says it seems people that one it seems possible that one could be translated yet living conclude what appeared to be a normal life. So we look at translation as you're still alive. It's three me five. It's jump the beloved. So what are they talking about here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? So what's the deal? What's what talking about? Saying? So I went through these and looked up all of them on family search. And yes, they, they all have a headstone that we have their death dates. So yeah, I, I find this very interesting. Well, here's a thought to, here's something that to think about. Okay. Um, if you are translated, what do you have power over, right? Let's go back to this list that's here yeah. on, on page 40, okay? So um, 
they're translated into an immortal state, right? Um, prisons can't hold them, fire can't harm them, wild beasts can't injure them, right? Um, they won't have the pains of death, right? But what if you have somebody who's translated, and especially in the world today, where you can't just disappear, right? You, you disappear and the search and rescue is looking for you everywhere. Your face is all over the news and there is no way then anywhere in the world you're gonna be able to be of any good to the Lord. So if you can have control over your body, I mean, if you can travel in the twinkling of an eye somewhere, couldn't you fake your own death? Possible, right? yeah. and like Alma the, the younger. Well, yeah, but Alma the younger. Back in that time, you know, he he left, and you know, people don't know what happened to him, right? That, uh -huh, that's yeah. what I said. You can't do that anymore. You can't do yeah, exactly. You can't pull an Alma the younger or a Moses or you know. So, mm -hmm. Um, but you could fake your own death, yeah. and then people aren't looking for you, right? You got your funeral if you can transport yourself from any place to any place else you could even be laying in your casket not breathing and everybody's <laughs> thinking you're dead right well you're not faking your own death you're just celebrating the, your your death, your mortal death right and then you're, you're just better off so these, going a different direction you could have go a stealth mode now yeah. <laughs> well, yeah you could have a you could have a headstone you could have you know as far as the world is concerned you are dead mm-hmm and then you are free to go wherever, to do whatever, to be of service to the Lord in whatever manner that he needs you to be. You don't have to pay taxes anymore. <laughs> um, well, you know, if you don't have to worry about eating or sleeping or, you know, any of those kinds of things anyway, either you just um, can come and go as you please. There's, you don't need any of the trappings of a mortal existence right mm -hmm. um you truly can go wherever you're needed but my idea of that whole purpose is there has to be a purpose for the translation and if that's the case then chances are you will have plenty of duties to do it's not like you're just you're getting a vacation uh i think when the when translation comes about you will have plenty of work to do and you will be going and and serving and guiding and assisting others to design, to truth, to uh, to repentance. You will have a mission, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, you will be given a mission. If you think, um, you know, think about visions of glory and what Spencer talks about, about the people who have been sent off to get people and bring them back to Zion. Right. And I don't know if any of you have read John Pontius's books, um, the Journey to Zion series. It's actually a fiction book. Mm -hmm. But um, have you read have you read it? Have you read the new one? Oh my word. So they he had written several several books back in the 90s before he ever met Spencer. And so much of the stuff that he had written, you know. Um, and there, he, he takes the information that he knows here and he puts it into a fiction story that 
many of the stories that happen to this fictional character actually happened to him in his life. And, um, you know, if you, you can match them up with unblog my soul and the things that he said actually happened to him. And so you have, you, you go, wait a minute, I've heard this before. This happened to John, this happened to John. And then you, you go through and you see the, the things that changed and the things that happened. And, um, you know, it actually goes into quite a bit of depth of translation and how it might happen and the things that come along with that as you go through this process with the character, with the main character. And um, it's, it's quite eye-opening. You know, if you're the kind of person who says, okay, this book is a 10,000 foot thing. What does this really look like? What is it? Uh, you know, you need it, not necessarily a checklist, but can you give me some idea of what this actually would entail for a mortal? How does this look in real life? And then I can adjust it, you know, for me or whatever, because no two of us are gonna go through the same process at the same way. Um, it's a great example of here's what it can look like. And you go, oh, okay, well, that's more doable. That's, oh, I can see how I can, how I can change my life to fit into, into this, to be prepared for Zion, to be prepared to be translated. Oh, that's how this might work and things along those lines. Um, and it's just very... It was interesting because this past week, um, I was basically told to read the second book. I bought it when it came out last February and didn't read it. It's not on my bookshelf. And this past week, it was like, you need to read this book. And I pulled it down. I'm, I'm halfway through it now and I can't put it down. Um, <laughs> but the insights that I've gotten on Zion and on translation and on all of these things. And it's great because it's written by the same guy, right? <laughs> so it, it, it really, it dovetails nicely in with what we're studying. And if you have the opportunity to get them, I would just suggest you get the books, read them. Um, which are named? Which are, oh, go get them. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm just so awful. <laughs> I told Scotty I had to read the first one. I read the first one last year. And then I started the second one and for some reason I put it on the shelf and didn't and until last week when I was like, you have to read this and now I can't put it down. It, it's one of those things, you know, the Lord, it, you're not ready for this part yet. You know, and mm -hmm. yeah, take it away, then you'll Yeah. He didn't have me put it on the shelf and and not do anything with it. Um but yeah, if you listen to um the audio version here, Terry Pontius, his wife. Um, you know, she says like, I'm a witness. He's more active on this earth than he ever was when he was alive kind of thing. Like, well, I'm wondering, was he basically, yeah, that's what, like, I think she's basically saying in as public of a format that she can, like John just yeah. went to a different mission is all. <laughs> he well, got reassigned. And if you think about it, he needed to publish Visions of Glory, but then yeah. not be around for all the fallout, right? Exactly, right? And, yeah. Like, he, it was published and then he died, mm -hmm. you know, he'd been dragging on with cancer for years and years and all of a sudden, boom. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first one is fire of the spirit. 
Okay. And the one I'm halfway through is called Angels of Fire. Okay. Um, what was the second one, Nancy? Angels of Fire. Leave it at that. Let them read it. Okay. And I, all I can say is just get them, read them, realize, like I said, it's it's it is a fictional story. There's some stuff that's definitely fiction in it, and and intrigue, and you know, it's a novel. But especially in the second book, um, there's so many truths in this book that are hidden in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And, and um, especially, you know, reading that with Triumph of Zion at the same time, right? Yeah, reading that'd be fun. Going, fiction, nonfiction, fiction, nonfiction. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah I, I like what you were saying at the beginning there, like um, what the, the list is here. We, they have power over transportation, power over death, power mm -hmm. over this and, and stuff. Right. And it was just like every time that you were saying something, I was like, oh, that describes Daniel. He had power to stop the mouths of the lions. Oh, and that was uh, Melchizedek. He had power to stop the, the bear or something. Uh, maybe it was lions too. I don't know. But um, anyway, it was like boom, boom, boom. Like all of these people, uh, Joseph Smith was described in a lot of those. Christ was described in a lot of those. I was telling my mom, you know, don't like say this out, <laughs> out about what Cameron believes. But I was like, I am, I'm starting to believe more and more that Christ was like the three years ministry that we have an account of is actually an account of his translated state. And so like, you know, he's doing only things that translated people can do during those three years. It kind of makes sense. And like Joseph Smith, you know, I've, I've heard lots of different people saying that he was definitely like based upon what he's done, like he was definitely translated, but like, <sighs> Well, um, for some that, reason, that begs the question too. Um, I can't remember if it's here on that page or have we've heard or read it somewhere. Don't translated beings have power over life and death? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they couldn't. I mean, the people that we've got their snippets of their patriarchal blessing, couldn't they have chosen to go ahead and die? Yeah. Too? Especially another, if they're laying possibly. down their life as a martyr in any way, mm -hmm. or or sealing their life with uh, by their blood, kind of thing. But yeah, in, in no way because there's three different places, three different quotes in this chapter that as I was reading, I was, I was specifically looking for, but it says that translated beings will die. Like all translated beings, like translation is just a more permanent state of prolonging it, but the, all translated beings will die. Some of them will be in the twinkling of an eye and their spirits not have to leave their bodies. Some of them will actually have to die before they can resurrect. So like for some reason, I, I think it's just been kind of a false tradition that we've just clung to and assumed that death and translation are mutually exclusive. They don't overlap, but I, I, I just don't think that's true. <laughs> the, the more well, and more you're looking and at it. We know that the, well, when the two prophets are um, preaching in Jerusalem, right? Yeah. And for three and a half years, they're performing miracles. They're, they're clearly translated, you know, all yeah. the power that they have. And then they die, right? And then they're resurrected, you know, in three and a half days. So that would go along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because like you talk about that with so many people and they're just like, I don't know, there's two conflicting things. Like translated people can't die, but yet they die. So they must not be translated. And then they just, mm -hmm. well, we'll just put it on a back shelf because we just don't understand. But it's like, I just think that it was just one little false tradition that we've put in there of saying 
that death and translation are mutually exclusive when I think that they're mutually inclusive, like <laughs> one is kind of the other. Uh, well, I think it may go back to they choose to die. Mm -hmm. They're not going to just get killed and they're not they're, I mean, they're going to give up their life because yeah. they're choosing to it, it seems like. Yeah, mm -hmm. or, or maybe the mission, you know, if you've you got to have a mission for yeah. to be translated, right? Yeah. So maybe you've completed your mission, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Good point, right? And then it's like, okay, I my life was extended to do this. Well, mm -hmm. this is now done, mm -hmm. and so now I can, I can die. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it in on page forty one says they shall be changed from mortality to immortality in the twinkling of an eye, the spirit never having occasion to separate from the body. And in their cases, this change is called death. So they could go right from being <laughs> translated yeah. to resurrected, right? Yeah. And and you know, if their mission was complete, their mission is complete and they're they're good to go, right? Yeah. Is it all that important for us to establish a mortal definition i mean if we don't stop doing what we're doing if we just move on to the next level on the rung does it really matter whether we're dead or translated or <laughs> reincarnated or maybe we just oh, had a bad day reincarnated <laughs> the thing is the whole idea is we're there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time and a lot of energy working on a man-made definition in order to try to understand a celestial and a eternal thing where mm -hmm. maybe we're all just a little bit off and the yeah. only way to truly understand it is to, to experience it and then once you've experienced it you'll kind of go oh so that's what that was mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yep. so i guess exactly. you know it's it's good to to be aware that things like that happen but i don't know about putting so much energy and worry into thoughts about trying to define it because a lot of times we try to put god in a really at least small box mm -hmm. um, so sure. let him decide how big the box is and let him go where he wants to go yeah for sure and so that's why i think it's so important to kind of take that box that we might have gotten a false tradition with and and break that out and you know because when you say that that somebody might have been translated but then die is like i don't think that we have to be like scared about that like ooh, I, that that sounds weird kind of a thing but yet no we're just we're just destroying the box and then letting god uh teach us after that kind of a thing and and like i said they could be translated and fake their death so that they could be free to do what they mm. were translated to do yeah, their, their family needed closure because they might not be ready to understand that whole process yet. And right. just the natural thing to, to move on kind of. And they needed, they needed to be able to just walk away from all the trappings of Babylon that they might have otherwise mm -hmm. had. Just, you know, walk away and go and do whatever the Lord needed them to do. Yeah, for sure. And so kind of pointing from that to um, Flora Jacobs on the top of 57, um, this one emphasizes the the, the love that God has for agency. She has a choice, the very last line of, of hers. Thou mayest lay down thy life or thou mayest hold it until thou mayest um, it, thou mayest have thy choice. And so, you know, 
many times we talk about like parting of the veil and and requesting and stuff. It, it's in a future chapter when it really dives into that principle. But uh, when we actually get to the moment when we're parting the veil, what's going to be asked of us is what is wanted. Do we even know our options? How do we like what do we say to that kind of a thing? But the whole point that I'm getting at here is that the Lord honors agency. You know, what did he do with the three Nephites? Well, all the Nephite 12, you know, he gave them the choice. What, what is wanted? What do you, what do you guys want to do? Some of them chose this, some of them chose this and, and he honors that and lets them do it. So, you know, uh, kind of on, on lower rungs of the ladder, we might be kind of assigned uh, to some of our tasks and missions, et cetera, and stuff. But the, it seems like the further up the ladder we uh, rise, the more our will is his will. He, he lets us have agency in our missions, in our, in our choices that we want to do kind of thing. Um, and I think that that's kind of pointed out in a, a few of these patriarchal blessings. And so I, that, that was something that, that I tried to do with my patriarchal blessing was, where's my agency here? Like it's, this is blessed uh, you're, I'm blessed with this. I'm promised this. Da, da 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 da. But where's my agency? And when I had that question, my patriarchal blessing just opened up. It was like, oh, I have agency here and here and here. So like when, uh, you know, some future day when uh, what when it's asked what is wanted, it'd be like, okay, well I've aligned my will on all of these points here. Yes, and now. I, I'm going to shoot for the moon. It's, it's my genius wishes here. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to do this. You answer, I would, I want something better. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I want something harder. <laughs> okay. So if you just ask for something better, we're, we're asking for X, Y, or Z because we think it would be great mm -hmm. or something better. And if you continue to answer that question with something better, the Lord will always give you something better. Mm -hmm. You can't lose with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect wish. You know, like rubbing the magic lamp or whatever. What's your three wishes? Like, oh, I wish for more wishes. You know, that's the, the first thing right off the bat, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of like the... the, the uh, LDS, I know I'm trying to break myself of even saying LDS, but like that's our view in the church right now is, is the, okay, well, if I can ask for something better and, and to be taught what's better, because I don't even know yet, um, that, uh, we can almost get more wishes off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know every time that we have asked the Lord, um, for something better, mm -hmm. it, it has been incredible the something better, you know, and, and it might not have seemed better initially, but then yeah. as we look and we, we ponder it and we realize, oh, this really is perfect. This really is better. This really does give us these other opportunities and things like that. And our it, choice would have taken us lower on the ladder. Yeah. Our choice might've taken us lower on the ladder, whereas the Lord, something better elevates you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. All right. So, I mean, we're running out of time. What kind of final questions, things do you want to pull out of this chapter? You thought you had lots of time. <laughs> it always goes by so fast. It does. 
I think, where is it? There's some questions <clears throat> that he had on page 39 that are good for us to, um, to ponder. Mm -hmm. He talks about the translated become as angels of God, able to show themselves to anyone when necessary. Mm -hmm. We may wonder where these great ones are in our learn and jury world. The answer is they are, some, they are among us, and tragically, we know them not. Why? We must ask ourselves this question again and again until the answer is pure and untarnished. Why don't we see them? Why aren't their works plain and obvious among us? The obvious answer is they have not often chosen to reveal themselves in their premillennial labors. Could part of the answer also lie in the fact that we have been invited to become the citizens of Zion, the ministers of great righteousness, the translated ones we long to see? Could it be that without the faith to see this inv invitation, we also don't have the faith to associate with those who already have? Yeah, that I mean, like a total um, break. I agree too. You know, what is holding us back? This is the this is the personal introspection portion, right, of our study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what lack I yet? Where what's going on? Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I, I ran across a talk that I gave in another ward a few years ago, and um, I, I didn't even have to read, you know, I just ran across the papers, and as I, as I ran across it, this was also this past week, I was reminded of something that I wrote in there, and I told the story of how I was um, coming out of the Walmart near us, and there's always people with cardboard signs and stuff like that, and I saw a gentleman standing on the side of the road with his little cardboard sign. And I was like, I was in the middle lane. I wasn't in the right lane. And, and I made all sorts of excuses to myself. I'm not in the right lane. The light is turning. You know, if I were to get over and stop, you know, it's a right turn lane. He's right there at the intersection. And then people would be upset behind me. I mean, I, I just totally made all these excuses for myself for not stopping and helping this gentleman and, and so I just kept on going and I felt so bad afterwards that I I looped around I just went down to the next intersection I turned around and came back and with the full intention of getting in that right lane and stopping and in the time it took me to loop around he was gone yeah that happened to me too <laughs> and and I I couldn't help but think I failed the test, mm -hmm. right? And and it was it was kind of right at that moment. It was like this was somebody sent to see what was more important to you. Mm -hmm. You know, would would you care more for your fellow being than you know, in taking care of somebody who's the poor and the downtrodden, you know, that kind of thing, or more about yourself? and how you might look to others or block in traffic or whatever, you right? And it, it, it really makes you stop and think. And how many times do we have those kinds of situations that come into our life? And we, we just, you know, occasionally we'll get a test like this. 
And I think if we pass the test, then we get to move on and then we'll have another one, right? If we don't, the Lord will circle back around and at a later time, we'll get the test again, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I was just so stunned with the speed with which he disappeared. <laughs> yep. Okay. Because he was there and then he wasn't. Mm. He wasn't walking down the street somewhere. And I just was like, wow, you just lost an opportunity. And, um, you know, he wasn't one of the regulars or anything like that that's always sitting out there. Right. Yeah. So it was just um, the test for you at that moment. It was for me at that moment, and I was reminded of it this past week as I'm studying this and picking up this. So you tell me. I don't believe in coincidences anymore. No. Does <laughs> <laughs> okay. right. so, anyone else have uh, anything for us to close out on? It's been an awesome discussion. I love that. Um, well, yeah, chapter four next week is, is going to be a, a, a great one. So um, I forgot to, to throw this out there as well, um, since we have some new, if I, I send out some text reminders each week uh, with class and it has the Zoom link, et cetera. So if you want those, make sure you get me your phone number and, and tell me which group you want the text for, or, or if you want all three of them, that's fine too. Um, but <laughs> Anyway, uh, That's me. send that to me and, and I'll, I'll get you signed up on those. Uh, I kind of forget to keep announcing that. But anyway, um, any other housekeeping things? I think we're good. But yeah, I've, I've got those Book of Nelsons. If, if anybody um, wants those, I can and send those to you. Um, some people said that they, they didn't get it or anything like that. So I don't know. My mailing list might be weird I, I don't know i might be using a back version of it or something but anyway um got those and the, the i saw the email last night or i would have said something to you yesterday yeah. <laughs> i already <laughs> sent you my venmo mm -hmm. did, did you get it uh-huh yeah yeah i got okay, that cool <laughs> so i i've got the the book of nelson but it's it's free just if if anyone's questioning like the the pdf is free but I am doing like a limited print with a, a company that is giving me really cheap copies and stuff. So I'm not making any money on it, but if you wanted it. Um... You said something about two formats. What's this other format? Uh, so the one format is more for like PDF digital on your computer. It has like hyperlinks in it and stuff like that for footnotes versus this one that is made for print. So this is, I'll show you a version of the other one. Um, but here is uh, Nelson, the book of Nelson one through four. So this is 1968 through 19 uh, or 2017. So all of his apostle okay. years and, and even one before. And um, then fifth Nelson is just since he's become a prophet. And so these have everything. So every enzyme article, every conference talk, everything that he's delivered to a public audience. So um, his devotional just to the saints in Samoa isn't on there, but his televised interview in Samoa is kind of a thing. So just kind of throwing that out there. Anytime that he has given 
actual footnotes, submitted footnotes for his talks. I've included those in there in the bottom. Um, let me show you the, the digital version. But I, I've been put those in there, but I haven't put any footnotes for, you know, some of his interviews or something that just doesn't have it. Did any of you get to see him last Sunday in Oklahoma? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, that's it? not one that I would include in there, but yeah, um, I was just curious. Um, and Sister Nelson's like, study his talks. So I'm like, Karen's got us on it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I, I was kind of wondering why the Lord had me do that last. I started it last November and then life hit and then I'm finally kind of getting back to it. But like it finished like almost right in time for that. Anyway, it, that was kind of an interesting little witness to me. But um, so here is the kind of table of contents and stuff but anyway it it's formatted to look exactly like scriptures so every chapter is a different talk or article kind of thing and then i've just taken the natural paragraphs and put verses on them um so that every time that i'm quoting president nelson because i quote different things all the time like in the coming day only those men who have uh, taken their their priesthood seriously i can actually put a chapter and a verse to it now so that's first nelson chapter <laughs> <laughs> and um so you can see kind of the footnotes here at the bottom uh it's wide margins so you can take notes and everything so this is the the print it, like it's meant for uh, print use and then um let me pull up the other version so you can kind of see what it is I made the other version because somebody had the, the wise idea that I should maybe submit this to Deseret Book or whatever. And so I was like, I don't know, maybe. So I, I did the initial thing with uh, the church's intellectual department and it got denied. And so um, I was like, obviously it's the, the format and all that kind of stuff. So I made this other format um, to kind of compensate for, for that. But anyway, um, just a where is it at? And when do you need to know by whether we want a physical copy? Uh, I would, uh, cause I'm just kind of throwing it out there really quick or whatever. So by this Wednesday, but you know, if, if it's a little bit late, that's fine too. I'm just, that's kind of my deadline so that people get on it rather than kind of draw it out. But um, so this is the other version of it. Um, and so each decade is meant to just be its own little PDF file. I mean, you could print it out. It does have the wide margins and stuff, but it has all of the hyperlinks so that you can actually go to them. It's, in, it's not in the Palatino uh, font or anything. I, I mean, it's supposed to look quite a bit different um but yeah so cool it's a lot of work Cameron we appreciate it and actually Cameron I think that is the it's your first starting that project that first got me connected with you so that I even oh, knew yeah. what was going on with your blessings of Abraham book uh-huh yeah so that's kind of cool <laughs> you know it's interesting I mentioned this in group a as well but so my, my list for the book of Nelson one is much longer, my email list, but for the, the groups, it's not as big, but it's interesting with the book of Nelson one. Um, I, I've had quite a few people contact me this last week asking to remove because they're no longer affiliated with the church and they no longer believe that the prophet is called of God kind of thing. It's like, 
Yeah, it, it, it was kind of an eye-opener, a shocker to me, like, oh man, like it, this is the literal thing that will help get your testimony back of the restoration and your part in it kind of a thing, yet you won't read it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> man, the, the last days are fun, but they're also very challenging. It just kind no, of breaks my heart. They are. They're the people that I see no longer coming. We've had to totally redo primary workers because oh. there's just certain families that just they're done. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you guys. Yeah. They were yeah, in my self-reliance class. and Our Relief Society was so sparsely attended today. You know, people were looking around going, where is everybody? Where is everybody? It was just, it was crazy. We might have had 25 people. Mm -hmm. oh, man, yeah, it just makes you so sad. But, you know, uh, what we're reading, what we're studying, translation, uh, like we're, we're gearing up for our future missions. Like we're kind of doing the MTC right now. And so this is where we can suffer, learn and grow and, and do all of that work so that when the time comes, we can go save people. Like that, it, that and, and gives me hope kind of thing. We can connect with people who have the same goals, yeah. no matter where they are, right? Instead of feeling isolated in all of our different little towns around the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not the only ones. I think that is so important. And I think that's one of the things that's, that's truly one of the blessings of technology right now is that mm -hmm. we can see that we are not alone. We're not the only ones. Mm -hmm. And Nancy, I think it's so cool you and your hubby are on the same page because there's a lot of couples that are not on the same page. Oh, man. It is. A I think it's time. just so cool. I just thought I'd just throw that out there. We haven't always been, but I can totally testify to the um, ability of the Lord to change hearts, right? So right. You Someone who you love who is not on the same page as you you come to the lord and then you lay it at the lord's feet and say lord this is what i want to do and this is where i am please soften this other person's heart please work with them work to bring them so that we can come together to you um it, it doesn't happen instantaneously, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. and yeah, did anyone watch uh, Todd McLaughlin's video or, or whatever? Like it was so good. And just emphasizing that point there, laying that at the Lord's feet and saying, if it requires a sacrifice, what can I sacrifice in order to, to soften that heart or, or change or things? Anyway, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> we have to do the same thing with our children, right? So if our children have decided not to come to church anymore, or they've just drifted away into Babylon or, you know, totally bought whatever the mainstream media is selling. <clears throat> um, our job is to love our children mm -hmm. right. and to lay it at the Lord's feet and ask him to give them the experiences to bring them back to him. He will, 
he is the one who leaves the 90 and nine and goes after the lost sheep. Right. We, our job is to love them and to be there so that when they come back, they know that they can look to us for, for love, support and guidance and not, I told you so is in condemnation. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so many, many parents in the church want to, they want to make their kids do what they want them to do, or I'm going to cut you off, or I'm not going to, you know, you're living some, something I don't agree with. So I don't want to have anything to do with you. you you've got to love them, not necessarily enable if they're doing okay. something wrong, but love them and let the Lord bring them back. Yeah. Because if they don't think anybody loves them when they come back, why would they? Mm -hmm. It's going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. Just be forewarned that if you ask the Savior <laughs> to help soften a heart, he may have to do some pretty drastic things to soften a very tough heart. So yeah. you may have to come to the realization that you might have created something but if you also understand that the savior can, he uses, he allows hard things to happen in order to bring about good things. So it, it's hard to watch, uh, but you just got to descend. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. right. And some people have to hit rock bottom before they will start up. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But, you know, if they hit rock bottom, I heard, at least then they are founded on the rock <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hit rock bottom and go all the way down so they don't have anybody to turn to but Christ. And there are some people that have to do that. Um, well, that would be me. I was gone for 40 years, guys. Nope. If Tracy can do it, we can all do it. <laughs> if Tracy can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> I had to hear a lot of I told you so's <laughs> right but how much more joy would there have been if it had just been love and not I told you uh, so no kidding it would have been easier right yeah but you know but you had that experience and so now you can take that experience and use it to give a better experience to someone else yeah that's what my blessing says that I'm going to help many through that so but once again you have to realize that on their part it has to be a desire on their part so yeah. the savior can put can allow circumstances to become such that would give them opportunity to desire to go up and to to get better and the opposition is always going to be there even at that rock bottom to give his uh idea of what the out is or what the solution to the problem is so once again they have to desire to follow christ's plan instead of following the ad, uh, adversary so you know you have to not only can you pray for them and and see that things happen but you have to accept whatever choice that they actually make mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that agency it's a kicker Tracy, yeah, this is L. And you said your patriarchal blessing says you're supposed to help people. Yeah, 
yeah, I'd like to connect with you and maybe you could help me. Sure. So, so I'm not sure what's the best way. I don't see you on Learning Zion very much. So I don't know if that's a good way to message you or oh, chat I'll with just, you. I'll just give you my phone number and you can text me or call me. It's um, 541. Okay, let me get something to write on. I've got my house so clean I don't have paper. <laughs> yeah, I'm typing it in the chat as you're saying. 541. Oh, okay. Oh, 915. 915. 1152. Oh, great. That way I can copy it. Sure. Awesome. Let me paste it somewhere. <laughs> okay, great. Because we live, actually live in the same state. So, oh, cool. <laughs> and I think I'm friends with you on Facebook. So, but I just don't see your stuff and I don't post anymore. Oh, I don't <laughs> post much on there. I just, the only reason I go on there is to look at my religion groups and my family <laughs> yeah that's that's, that's me it. yep me too i just go to read yeah okay let me paste this it's interesting to hear of other people who um no longer feel the need to testify on facebook they just they go to read right yeah. I go and I read and I very rarely comment anymore and I hardly ever post anything on my own wall. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not even there that much even to read. But I, I, it, it's, it's kind of like the, the time for warning has passed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've said things over and over and over and over again. And now yeah. <laughs> we're being told to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Let the Lord preach his own sermon. Yeah. Which is scary because that sermon's a, a hard one for, for some. But, mm -hmm. but, yeah. And and to help to help those who are asking for help, right? Yeah. You know, um there are I've had so many people reach out to me lately with just different questions like how do I help this person or or this or what would you say? You know, not not trying to put me up as an authority. That's not what they're doing, but like just like genuine questions that you just don't you don't want to post on Facebook to a general public you know like you just want good friends to to give you solid answers kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah I'd rather chat on Zion than on Facebook mm -hmm. <laughs> Facebook is just not the place to discuss things anymore yeah no although I did post a really cool video going to the temple yesterday of the Portland Temple. Oh yeah. And it was during kind of that windy, I don't know, rainy. It was the bomb cyclone. But anyway, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go check that out. Yeah. This looked cool. But I rarely do post anything unless it's something about my daughter or you know, something about church. Where did you post that, Tracy? On my Facebook. On your Facebook. Wall. Yeah. yeah. See, and that's what I get for not actually looking at my newsfeed, right? As I don't see. No, it's good you don't look at it because that's where your your whole two hours I got sucked into that instead of something like the good book you're reading. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm on page three twenty-five. And Nancy, did you get those on Amazon? Hmm. I've seen them on Amazon, so I, I don't know where else. 
they might be on Amazon. Actually, I think I got them from a website from the publisher. <laughs> I think there was the special deal for the two of them when they first came out. It was like a pre-order thing um, when the second book came out. So um, I, I don't remember. Desiree it doesn't out. carry them? No. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. No. It's, I think um, if you get on Unblog, you can, if she's got it posted on there, I do believe. Yeah. yeah it's too deep for Desiree. JohnPontius.org. I think you can go there because that's the website that's on the back. Okay. JohnPontius.org. Um, if you, if it's for the exciting backstory, visit. So the, the books might be available there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite remember. Um, I saw the link posted on one of my online forums that's not Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're welcome. So, hey, but before we go, I've got something cool to tell everybody. Um, I just heard that the Syracuse, Utah Temple is not going to have one, but two baptistries. Oh, to accommodate oh, all the youth. So cool. Yeah. I love that so much. Wow. Yeah. That's nifty. Oh, yeah. yeah. So first one. Yes. Salt Lake's going to have it as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. President was- Nelson just keeps going to the Lord and going, what can we do better? What did we, what, what kind of traditions do we need to, how can we? Uh, I know. I was up? trying to do some baptisms at our temple and you can't even get in. Like, mm-hmm. Which I is great. I mean, the youth are keeping it busy, but it's like you just can't. Yeah. I'm going to send them up to Katie up in that little cute little Columbia River temple up in oh, Richland. Yeah. She's like, you can get in anytime you want in there. Yeah. So she's like, I'm like, okay, you're going to go baptize in now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know um, we're in Mount Timpanogos district. In fact, um, we kind of live just down the hill. Um, but they, they told me that the way they're doing registrations and reservations and everything now is um, when people have the, when they have the live sessions, they reserve a block if somebody's coming in for their own endowment and they get however many spots and they reserve this block in that session. And the people have until a certain time the day before or whatever, they give them a cutoff. You got to have all your people sign up using this special code to get in in this block. And then if they, anything they have left over, they release at that time. It's usually the night before. So if you are having a hard time getting into an endowment session, check the night before for the next day. Um, I know at Timpanogos, she says a lot of times they open up a hundred slots at night. Oh, wow. So and also, this is how I always get in. I will schedule just one thing like ceilings or whatever, or initiatories. And then when I get there, I beg, <laughs> like <laughs> I drove a really long ways and I did. <laughs> Can I please do more? And they always let me in. Like, and I go all the time. Well, that's cool that you can get into initiatories. Yeah. I live in an area where all the young moms drop their kids off 
at, and this even happened before COVID, they drop their kids off at school and then they go to the temple and they only have time to do initiatories. So they, mm. initiatories is always full. And then, you know, they, they are in there, they do initiatories and then they leave. Mm. Um, because that's all they have the time for. Uh, so that's, that's been kind of crazy. It was, it's been insane to get in. Although I will say that I, the first session that I did get in when they opened it back up, I was able to get in and do initiatories and I went in and I took my five names and I was the only one there Mm -hmm. because everybody else had canceled that day. Mm -hmm. So um, you could also call in the morning and say, Hey, do you have any cancellations? Yeah. Do you, you know, or check in the morning and see if there's any, but the online system will only let you have one reservation. That's for, a true story. Uh, for a, a type of thing. Mm-hmm. So one endowment at the same time. I think the only difference would be if you had, if you had a reservation and then you had a spouse who made a reservation and included their, you know, it says include my spouse, then you you could technically have two because one's under the spouse's name and one's right. under For ceilings, you can always get in like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see how they progress with this because it seems like everybody <laughs> has such a hard time and stuff i i don't know this is going to be one of my wild card predictions for the future that they they do open it up 24 7 and and have roundabout because time frames just don't work for everybody uh you know like mm-hmm. some like like you said the the moms or whatever like they, they only have a little bit of time and it's it, it's generally at the same kind of time in the afternoon or whatever, you know? And so like, then everybody else can do mm-hmm. 24 seven. The problem with 24 seven is that the cleaning crew comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd probably be closed for the two, three hours that they do that, but. Yeah, and they, they come in and like, if you have a cleaning assignment, you come in at 10 and you're done before midnight mm-hmm. because at midnight they, they send everybody home but um mm-hmm. you know it does need to be cleaned especially the busier temples mm-hmm, you know, for right? sure um but it is uh i i i hear you know i think they're trying to get the bugs out of this online system yeah. right and i think when they open it up it's just a matter of we just make more spots available because mm-hmm. it, it's running so smoothly um, but you know, it, it, it was nice to be able to just say, Hey, I'm going to run to the temple and I'm just going to get in whatever session I can get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When I, <laughs> when I go, I try to do like, I spent five hours there just boom, boom, doing them all. Um, and I, I live a long ways away from a temple, so it's different for me, but it ends up being like a 12 hour day just with all the travel time and everything. So it's, I have to wait two more years and then there'll be a temple just a half hour away. So, Yay. so if you don't move before then Tracy, right. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to move my, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, how much longer? <laughs> nope. Well, I never thought I'd be in Utah. And look at where I am. You're in. You're like in the the thick of it. I am. I am in in North Utah County. Yes, the yeah. 
a big earthquake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we used to live in Lehigh, just north of Utah Lake. And then the Lord moved us here. We're about a hundred feet higher in elevation. And we're on rock. Um, Because I looked at the book action maps and um, (laughs) he actually has moved us to a place that we can be of use Mm-hmm. after that someplace better. Someplace better. Uh, yeah. you moved it someplace better so yeah and then gave us lots of opportunities to stock up on everything people walk into my house and they're like are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> when it all goes down we're just going to tracy's house <laughs> Yeah, tell them, well, Tracy's house is going to move, so. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always tell them, I said, I won't let you in unless you have a certain set of skills. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you got to bring something to the table here. You got to bring something to the table. It's not just a happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> right. All righty. Well, you guys, it's been, it's been great. <laughs> all right. You guys we'll see are you all great. Week. See ya. Mm-hmm.